Welcome to Forever White Belt. I'm your host, Adolfo Fronda. Today, I have the tremendous honor of having two very special black belts on the show, Dave Kama and Ryan Young. Dave Kama is part of the legendary Dirty Dozen, otherwise known as the first non-Brazilian black belts. Dave was actually number two. He has also trained in the legendary Gracie Garage. Yes, it was literally in a garage at the time. And he has been a black belt under Hickson Gracie in training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for over 35 years. In 1993, Hickson asked Dave to take over as head instructor at the Hickson Gracie Laguna Nagal location. Dave has been running this location ever since. In 2012, upon Hickson's retirement, Dave officially changed the name of the school from Hickson Gracie Laguna Nagal to Kama Jiu-Jitsu, part of the Hickson Gracie team of academies. As for Ryan, he trained under Helson Gracie in the 80s before training under Hickson and is now a third-degree black belt under Dave Kama. Ryan was one of the first BJJ prolific YouTubers. He has hundreds of free videos to learn from. This interview was actually supposed to be with just Ryan, but he told me if we could do it at 4 a.m. my time, he would bring a surprise guest. And I was super thrilled to have both Ryan and Dave on the show. Quite the coup for the show. The depth of their knowledge of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and being part of its history is just invaluable. They seem to be the lone voices left advocating for the self-defense aspect of the art. I get the sense that having to infer that self-defense is the most important part to learn of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is just crazy for them. It makes me feel like they think that the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community has lost its way. At one point, Dave even says without the self-defense learnings, BJJ is a different art altogether. Interesting food for thought. Some housekeeping notes. They did the interview on the built-in microphone of an iPad Pro, so the audio is rough at times. I boosted levels as much as I could and spent weeks working on the audio word by word, but you may want to turn it up. Additionally, it was recorded at the Flower Mound Texas Academy, so there is some training background noise at times. Just a reminder to please give us a five-star review on iTunes, or just share this podcast with a friend. It really helps us out. And check out our Forever White Belt merchandise at teespring.com forward slash forever dash white dash belt, and leave us a message at anchor.com forward slash forever white belt. Also, like our Facebook page to get all the latest at facebook.com forward slash forever white belt. And check us out on all the socials by searching for Forever White Belt. And with that, I give you Dave Kama and Ryan Young. Welcome to Forever White Belt. I am Adolfo Ferranda, your host with a couple very special guests and a, another special guest, I should say, <laughs> unplanned here. Can you please introduce yourselves here? David Kama, Kama Jiu-Jitsu. I'm uh, Hickson Black Belt. I'm Ryan Young, Kama Jiu-Jitsu. I'm a Dave Kama Black Belt. Welcome. Thanks so much for being on the show, gentlemen. It's our pleasure. Hope you're doing well. (laughs) (laughs) Dave, can you start? Hicks and Gracie, legendary black belt here. Yeah, so Hicks and black belt. I've been uh, training for for a lot of years. Seems like almost 30 years I've been training. Uh, No, it's like 35. 35 or something. I got it. (laughs) Long time. (laughs) Lose track sometimes. But uh, yeah, I started in the garages with uh, my first class was with uh, Hoist and uh, in Orange Garage. So a long, long time ago, where they're doing the garages, and then um, then Orion moved to the to the gym, and we moved there, and then Hickson split off, and I went with Hickson, continue on training with Hickson, stuff like that. So I've been with Hickson forever, it seems like. And Ryan, so I started in 1989, so we're at 32 years for me, and I started in Hawaii. I'm from Hawaii, born and raised, went to University of Hawaii, trained over with Helson Gracie in his uh, University of Hawaii campus back in the day, and. I also am a garage guy, 
from Hawaii. So I trained in Helsin's garage. I took my privates there along with Todd Tanaka, who's uh, one of the old school black belts for Helsin in Hawaii. And in 1992, I moved to California after college, which is where I met Dave over at Gracie Academy. He was a four-stripe purple. I was like a two-stripe blue. And I eventually moved over to Hickson's as well. I think he and I pretty much, we made the cut and went over the same time, around the same time. So I, I got to learn from Hickson for a while, took several years. And then I was the crayonche after that. I, <laughs> <laughs> All over the I went, place, right? I was a number of different places until, and he was like the unicorn, right? Nobody could find him, unlisted phone number and... Basically hiding. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knew where he was. And one of my students uh, who I taught privately in my garage... When I around time I was a brown belt, uh, said, I found Dave, I found Dave. And uh, I tracked him down and I've been with him ever since. I was like 2008, 2009. Dave, can you please describe, it's hard for us to even put it into context, especially these modern day jujitsu practitioners. Can you describe what day one jujitsu looked like for you? Oh, for me, it was kind of just my experience. So I had been taking martial arts before that, you know, stick fighting and kickboxing and, and uh, a whole bunch of other martial arts before that. I was just kind of searching around for something I liked and I didn't really like, uh, I like martial arts. I didn't really like what I was, what I was experienced, Taekwondo. I didn't, I liked the kicking. I liked the exercise, but you know, for as far as fighting goes, and that's what I was looking for. If you get in a fight or something like that, I wanted something effective if you get in some fight or somebody pushes you around or holds you down. I was looking for something like that, but Taekwondo was the best I could find at the time. And then I found kickboxing, but that's not exactly what I wanted, but it's, you know, develops your boxing kicking skills. So I did that. And then uh, stick fighting. I like sticks. So I started taking that. I just started wandering around doing much stuff. So I had uh, I injured my leg pretty badly. So then I friend at the kickboxing gym that had talked talk to us about uh, Orion. He was taking lessons with Orion. So it showed us a couple mm -hmm. moves. And back then, there was a lot of people running around with like these little nifty little moves, you know, and that they, they would show everybody. But, you know, I kind of said, ah, it's kind of nifty little move, but, you know, whatever. So I just, but it's because I injured my knee, I thought, well, I'll try out another martial art. We'll try it out. Right? So he gave me the Orion's number called Orion, get to Orion's house. His kids are running all over the place. <laughs> I think he was, uh, there was like blending the watermelon. So as he's talking to me, he's like chopping up the watermelon and throwing it inside the blender and he's blending it up and asking me if I want some. And, <laughs> and, um, so I said, oh, this is interesting. And then he's throwing cream cheese inside his watermelon. I'm going, that's never seen that before. That looks good. Wow. Yeah. So then he's signing up the waiver, you know, and then he says, okay, so you're going to go back in the back. And he had this, uh, three car garage back then that he had group classes in, and then he had a little back room in the back that was um, all padded up for private. My first private was with Hoyce. Since I had messed up my knee, I was asking Hoyce, I said, Hoyce, I'm going to do this martial arts. I said, no, I don't even bother with martial arts, but, but can I do this with my knee injury? And then he goes, no, you can't. Hmm. And I said, that wasn't, expect that wasn't the answer I was expecting. I was expecting, he says, well, you know, you can do this or this, but it'd be mm -hmm. hard here this. But he just flat out said, no, you can't. You wow. can't do my art at all without the knee. So I says, okay, so ignore the question I asked. Just keep going. <laughs> so uh, so we went, and then the, the first two lessons, I think he went, he held me by the neck, and he says, hey, what would you do? And he started doing the, what you know, hold you here, what would you do? He sat, sits, mounts on top of you, what would you do? So that's so we started going through all that. Right. And then uh, almost immediately, I fell in love, saw, man, this is the stuff I wanted to learn. I says, you know, this these are the problems that, that I wanted to address that no other martial art I saw could address, you know, because the, the way the other martial arts address it is like, the only way they can address it is like, if he holds you by the neck, okay, I punch him in the face. I kick him in the nuts, right? I says, mm -hmm. yeah, but he's your uncle. 
this is not, yeah. this is not what you do, you know? So I, yeah, I fell in love almost immediately for the first class. Then I went back to Orion after the class and he said, okay, so you want to, he says, do you like the class? And he says, oh yeah, I love the class. He says, so he says, you want to take another one? And I says, yeah. I says, you know, told me about the classes and all that kind of stuff. And I was more interested in, you know, how many classes he had available than he talked about the price. And I wasn't too interested with how much the price was. I says, I don't care what the price is. You know, how many classes do you have open? <laughs> I just wanted to take a lot of classes at that point, you know, to check it out. It was that. It was great. It was like fell in love first to class and I never, never looked back. Just keep on going and going and learning and learning. And it's like, it's like a never ending learning process, you know, in jiu-jitsu. It's kind of cool. So this was all pre-UFC, correct? Yeah. You know, typically people say, oh, it was the UFC because they're younger people, right? That that are like that. Why I fell into yeah. martial arts or especially jujitsu. So what was it for you in terms of martial arts? Was it like magazines, the movies, or uh, I'm curious, what was that, that itch? Pretty much back then it was like the leading in the United States, the leading martial arts, you know, that you see back then was like, it was, it was Taekwondo, Bruce Lee, um, mm-hmm. the Jeet Kune Do, you know, that's, Kundo, why, you yeah. know, that's why I took the stick fighting, Kali Eskrima, all that mm-hmm. stuff. That was kind of the leading martial art back then, right? So that's mm-hmm. kind of why I took it to kind of check it out. Kickboxing was, you know, definitely a thing back then, you know, so that's kind of why I was looking into those kind of things. I did check out Kung Fu a little bit, but not my thing. So, yeah, but, same. Uh, but <laughs> Once I once I saw jujitsu, I was like, oh my god, this is like this is great. The other martial arts, this is yeah, they don't fare very well in comparison at all compared to jujitsu. So you weren't wary about going into a garage or anything like that versus some uh, established dojo, you know? No, no, I I really don't care. I mean, it's just like some places I was really nice, but a couple places I went to, they were kind of like a little bit seedy too. And I wouldn't say it's garage, (laughs) but some of the other places I went were a little bit kind of run down and stuff like that. So it was kind of a, it wasn't too uncommon. The garage was a little unusual, but I, you know, I thought, well, that's kind of kind of a good idea. I mean, you save your costs, you do it inside your house. It's kind of a good idea, you know? That's amazing. Even back then, they had the wherewithal to have you sign a waiver, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, Orion's a lawyer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Smart guy. And Ryan, was it a similar progression for yourself? No. I took martial arts you know, when I was younger. As a kid, I did judo. And then as a teenager, I did Okinawan Kenpo Karate. And then um, just didn't like getting kicked in the leg and punching boards and just didn't like yeah. inflicting pain on myself. So I just kind of stopped. I wrestled some in, in middle school and high school. And one day I was over at a gym after I graduated from high school. I was in college by then. And I was uh, working out at my old high school alma mater gym with some friends of mine. And I said, man, I'm looking for a, a new martial art to take. And I was thinking of taking Hapkido because a friend of mine had friends that were taking Hapkido. And these friends in the gym said, no, 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 no. And I said, what do you mean? They go, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And I'm like, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu? What the heck is that, right? Because to me, you know, Jiu-Jitsu is Japanese and everything should be Japanese. What the hell is this Gracie, right? So they said, no, no, no. There's this video that you go to the library. I want you to go borrow it and watch it. It's called Gracie Jiu-Jitsu in Action. So I went and rented it and um, I thought, man, you know, they, they, there was that scene where, where they were fighting the karate dojo. And the first one was that 14-year-old kid who choked out the guy. And, and then you had house and horror in halls. And uh, I'm like, man, this is amazing. And then I go, man, I got to do this. And it just so happened when I was at UH, I was walking around campus on the bulletin boards every once in a while, Helson had a flyer up there. And I kind of remembered, okay, yeah, this is some, this is what I wanted to do, but then I couldn't find the flyers. And it just so happened I was at Bobby McGee's, which is the club, and I saw Helson there. He was wearing his T-shirt. So I'm thinking, well, you know, Gracie, that ain't Japanese. So that might be him. So I tapped him on the shoulder. He looked at me and I said, and I pointed to his back. It was that you? He goes, yeah, that's me. I said, I want to do that. So he said, okay. He goes, uh, come over to the studio. So I did. 
first lesson with him, he pulled me off to the side and he taught me uh, how to cross collar choke from the mount and how to arm bar and how to Americana from the mount. And I just said, this is awesome. Right. And then after that, you know, had me spar and I could do none of it. Right. I was just under everybody and I'm thinking, how am I supposed to do that? But I was hooked at that point, just like the way he was hooked. And then I started taking privates at Helson's house and I've never looked back. I mean, I've had period, 10 year period as a purple belt where I didn't do anything because I'd left Hickson's and I'd gone to Ken Gabrielson's. And after that, I was kind of like off the ranch for a while because it wasn't what I wanted to do, you know, training on the other side of the family, which, you know, it's not nothing not to say against that, but it just is a different jujitsu, which is what a lot of the basis for our current YouTube videos are, you know, the self-defense versus sport stuff. And it is a different tradition. Nobody seems to believe it, but when they come in and they meet Dave and they see, oh yeah, yeah, it's different. But that's how it started with me. You were over at that gym on Gracie in Action when uh, Horian was talking about Tom Hayden, the wrestler at Oklahoma College. And, oh yeah, I was there for that. Yeah. No, I wasn't there for that, that one match, but I went to El Camino College. I had like three wrestling friends. They took me over to uh, El Camino and said, hey, you got to see these guys. And I go, oh, okay. You know, because I, back then I doing the kickboxing and stuff like that and the stick fighting and, and they were doing the wrestling. So they kind of looked at me like the guy who fights, but they do wrestling. But so they took us down there and then one by one, my friends, uh, the wrestling friends, they were up in the stands were watching them and there was three guys standing there. I think it was Horian, Hoyce and Hickson. Huh. So they, they talked about, they talked a little bit, so like that. And then they said, hey, does anybody want to challenge them, right? So my wrestling friends right away, they just started running down one by one. It's, ah, I'll do it. They, they run down. Sure. Then they just says, okay, so he runs down and it's okay, so which one of us do you want to challenge? So they, they all pick, I'll take the small one. Yeah. <laughs> which was Hickson, yeah. right? No, no. We, we don't know who Hickson is, right? So like, I'll take the small one. Like, I best chance with the small one. I don't want the bigger guys. I don't want the small one. So they roll and then Hickson would just roll up, just roll my friends up like in a little tiny ball, like easily, really easy. And so these guys, wow. these guys are no slouches, you know, they, they're, huh. um, they're really good wrestlers. So, but he just rolled him up a little ball and then he just kind of easily just slap a little bit and then wow. choke him out and they're done. Right. So one by one, my friends all went down there and, and fought and they all lost like in real short order. Right. So then he came back and said, Hey Dave, your turn. I said, I ain't going down there. And they, <laughs> they go, no, go, go, go. And that's why we're here. I says, no, I ain't going down there. I says, I says, why do you want to go down there? I says, I says, you guys wrestle. You know how to wrestle. I don't know anything about wrestling, right? I says, all I know is how to punch and kick and all that kind of stuff. He says, I'm going to kick that son of a bitch. And he's going to wrap me up and he's going to choke. He's going to beat the crap out of me. Says, no, that's okay. I, I respect from here. I know he's going to beat me. So it's, it's okay. <laughs> not going down there. But uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny, but it was, it was interesting to watch. You know, you guys are really good. Let's jump ahead to the concept of academies now. I know Kama Jiu-Jitsu has, what, three academies now, right? There's uh, Irvine and the two in Texas, correct? Right. We're, we're sitting in the Austin one right now. Oh. And there's also Flower Mound, which is Dallas. And that's, that's the one where I'm at all the time. He's at Irvine all the time. And then Ken, one of my students from Flower Mound, he now runs this campus. So we come regularly to support this campus. What makes a great academy? Good people. I mean, uh, the atmosphere, good people, trying to make sure that uh, it's a learning atmosphere. I think it's like really important. Sticking to the curriculum. If you have a really good curriculum and you have like a, everybody's kind of knows what they're going to do and they know what the plan is, where they want to go, it really helps the students to, to stay on track. Of course, you got to keep the environment of the gym kind of like a learning environment. In the past, I've been through a lot of gyms and stuff like that and wandered around and saw a lot of examples of different kinds of gyms. And there's a lot of gyms out there there. They're kind of like, as soon as a new student walks in, it's like they're, they're fresh meat. Shark tank. Shark tank, basically. Mm -hmm. Just like, not, not saying that gym, but I'm just like, new meat, and they would just go after the person, and they, that new person would just get rolled up in a ball. Some personalities would love it, right? But like 
percent of them said, you know, they don't, they're not, that's not cool. You know, that mm-hmm. so they, they would leave, right? Try to have like a good atmosphere and teach them some moves and then challenge them and you start stressing the moves a little bit and then people start realizing, you know, how really good this stuff is for them, you know, can really help their lives. I think that is a kind of recipe for success. You really have to control that. You know, I think one of the things too is that you have to know your market. Uh, you know, we, our students are people that are just like us. Right, mm-hmm. middle age. We don't have a lot of young people here. You know, people who want to be fighters. You know, that's not really our market. Now, if we did have that market, we could do it pretty well. But it's just not our market, right? The people who come here to be with us, to, you know, it's all that camaraderie that you know. It's kind of a cliche in jujitsu. It is that way. But it's people that are similar to you. And when we opened Texas, the first one in Texas, I just thought about Dave, and I thought, okay. What are we like in Irvine? And that's what I wanted to model in Texas. And that's the same thing we're doing down here in Austin as well. It's, you know, we we can't be the school for everybody as much as we would love to be because people are going to feel comfortable or they're not based on the people that are there, right? Mm -hmm. If you're an older guy, let's say you're 50 years old, like as you are, and Mm -hmm. you walk into the studio where everybody's 22, 23, 24 years old. And they've all got gas tanks that are 100 gallons and yours is a 10-gallon tank. And, you know, they want to go hard, kind of like when we were at Dixon School, right? That's how it was. If you're not going to want to stick around. You're just going to go, ooh, this doesn't feel right. I'm always getting home. And when I'm home, I'm busted up and I'm having to recuperate. You know, so many days and these guys are training every day and you see them just leveling up on you much faster than you ever could. But yet you want to be there. Well, it's finding the right school for you. And that's why you have to kind of flip around and people who are, are looking for a place to go, they have to find number one, you have to funnel it down. You have to narrow what you want. Do you want the self-defense side? Do you want a sports side? Or do you want to blend? Do you want an MMA, MMA gym? Once you figure that out, then you have to find one where the group of people there fit in with your mindset, where you guys can have a lot of things in common, because at the end of the day, what we're doing is inherently dangerous. And you want to be able to trust your training partner. You don't want to feel that you're going to go into a shark tank and get your ass kicked every time. You want to feel that these guys are looking out for your best interest as well as their own. So that, to me, that's, you know, what I've thought about as well in our in building our school and, and who we have in our school. We'd love to have everybody, but we just can't. It's not going to work out sometimes. It's a small percentage of the population right, that does jiu-jitsu, right? That will put yourself through this stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, over the years training the gym, I mean, it's a grind. I mean, you're, you're fighting, you're getting your snap, your face smashed in. You come home with bruises. Uh, sometimes you get a little busted up, fingers and knees and stuff like that. So it's it's right for fighting, right? It depends on who you're fighting with and where you want to take your jujitsu because you can you can definitely guide that to go more rough and and, and, and a little bit lighter. But I typically wanted to go really rough and fight really, really, really hard. And say that's an environment that scares away like 80% of the population, right? Sure. Like, oh, my God. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm scared of that. But the jujitsu is for everybody. I mean, so that's, it's those people that they need the jujitsu. I think everybody should, should take jujitsu. It's, it's definitely, I think it's going to improve everybody's lives and stuff like that. But, you know, it's the fact that if you can uh, create an atmosphere where people will feel, like Brian said, you know, comfortable to come in and they're not going to get harmed. Some people just want to learn the move, right? They don't want to fight. They're scared mm-hmm. of it. But, you know, you teach them the move. You teach them the move. Here's, here's the new move, move, vision of the move. We have a program where we just, like, teach the move, and then you don't have to fight. Of course, you know, it's going to be hard to get a belt because we don't, we don't give belts to people who don't fight, right? So we give belts for fighting. So, you know, you can learn the move, but you learn all the moves. But if you don't fight, there's no belts for that. So mm-hmm. say you're a blue belt, you earn that blue belt because you're a good fighter, Right. And you know moves, so you, you not only know the moves, but you apply them, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we want to go. But 
I really would like to, you know, we're trying to generate an environment where people are more open to come to the gym, where they're not afraid of something like that. And it's a nice environment. You can get frail older people, you can get uh, anybody who's afraid of fighting. They can come in, they can, oh, that's cool. This move is really cool. You know, I can see the leverage. I can feel the leverage. It works really well. So if somebody grabs me like that, all I have to just kind of angle my body. So it teaches people how to leverage, and uh, it's it's great. Even if you don't fight, it, it's really good for nations. So that's kind of what we're trying to do is try to bring in more people that, that actually I think need. So not just for the 10% of the population like us that, that tough, want to fight. I know I'm hungry for that kind of environment. You know, I'm challenging myself and something like that. Some people just don't want to do that. They just want to learn mm-hmm. the moves. I think they're cool, but they don't want to have to grind. You know, I think it's it's good, and that's kind of what we're working on right now. That's one of the hardest things for running a school is determining who wants to go through the grind and who wants to just learn the jujitsu. So that's why we've got you know we've got a few programs. I mean, we've got our fundamentals program where. Which is what exactly what you described. We've got it in two versions. We've got the group version, and we've got it in a one-on-one version. You know, we both learn one-on-ones, but yeah, privates are what we learned on. I learned on privates, and and all our best students are the ones that learn privately. Typically, mm-hmm. you know, you do have some great students that come through group class only. But yeah, I mean, we need to delineate between the members who want to learn it and the members who want to learn it and fight, and then even the ones that want to fight. How hard do you push it? You have to know your students, right? Some students, you can push their buttons and they get better. Some students, you push their buttons and they get pissed off and they, they back up. And that's another thing, running a school, you have to know your students. It's a relationship thing, you know? How do you keep track of that? You know, because it seems very difficult to scale. It comes down to so individual level. I mean, like you said, you have this fundamentals class, which is full of people and then you may have people that are interested in going hard and then within that you have different skill sets different ages different genders etc sizes how do you deal yeah. with that i don't think it's, it's not that hard i mean if you have the courses and stuff like that set up where you have like a fundamentals class where you just you just teach moves right everybody can take that and then actually the the guys who do the grind and, and like to fight a lot they like the fundamentals class too because it brings them back to some of the self-defense stuff they've learned or they you know they weren't there that day they can go back to fundamentals class and they can relearn that and they kind of own up their skills and stuff like that just on a uh, on a technique wise base but not they're not really fighting you know those guys will take that they'll go outside to the group class and they'll, they'll grind it out they'll have somebody grab them and they'll try to elevate it a little bit and see if it actually works or something like that other people will just take it for what it is and then they'll learn it they like it and they'll learn the next move and stuff like that but it depends, you know, so that way, you know, people can have a choice, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that. What we find is that the guys who really want to fight, they come back to the fundamentals class just to learn some fundamentals, just to kind of brush up on things. And then they, they like the grind, so they, they stay fighting all the time, so that's what they like. Some students, they just like don't go to group class, they just like fighting. So they become great fighters, but the technique is kind of like not so great because the group classes are, you know, mainly for like grinding things out and kind of working out some of the moves. You learn some moves, but you don't learn as much as in private classes. Mm-hmm. You have some students that just take private classes, that's all they want. So they do a little bit of grinding in some of the private lessons because that's what they want. And, and they learn a lot of technique. But when they go to the group class and they, they go, they, they could kind of beat up because they're not used to all the, the, the rough grind. Their technique is better than the group classes, but then they have to, they kind of have to roll with the guys and grind it a little bit to kind of r- take all the rough edges out of your technique and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So there's all rough edges. If you don't, you know, you have to work them out if you really want to get good at that technique. Keeping options open for the students so they can choose and pick what they want 
is really good. And then we just help, help the students understand, you know, what's good for them, what's not good for them. And, you know, people have their choices on what they want to do. So we have all those choices for them if you want. And then everybody's pretty much happy. And then you'll see everybody just kind of goes in their own little place. Well, we do have well-trained instructors as well. Our instructors here are all homegrown. We don't have anybody come in from, say, another school. Maybe they, you know, move in from out of town and, and they just start teaching, right? Maybe they might have been teaching another school. They don't just start teaching. You know, they have to be taught to teach the way we do it here because it's all about having the same uniform product. Right? You have a lot of schools where they have multiple black belts and they each have students that attend their classes and all the students know different things, right? And that's not something that we do here because... You know, there aren't that many people that do Hickson's Jiu-Jitsu. And that's what we want everybody to leave here with. You know, come in here, learn it, and do it. You have to have a good program. You have to have everything lined up. And you have to have a means to, to get that information out. Mm-hmm. And you know, our teaching program is pretty in-depth. And it's it's not easy to run it. And, you know, as far as the classes, you talk about the different people within a class. Mm-hmm. If you have a lot of instructors that are on the mat at the same time, then we can split them up. So think about a group class. You know, group class, you have to basically teach to the average, you know, the average person that's there. You cannot have a class that's got upper belts and you have one brand new white belt and you're going to teach to the upper belts and leave the white belt out there, you know, learning stuff. You know, most most schools will do that. You will have a, a white belt doing inversions and barambolos and all this kind of stuff that typically only the more advanced permanent players are doing. But what good is it for him? It's a wasted day for him. He just wasted his day. On the other hand, if you have a class where you have, you know, maybe one upper belt and you have 10 white belts of all levels within white belt, that's going to be a basically white belt class. So the person who's the upper belt basically had a wasted day. So now if you have more instructors, you can split them up into subgroups and you can work on it that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know of any place that does that besides us. But, you know, maybe there are other schools that will do that, but we do do that because we do have a curriculum. We say, you know what, this group of people, they're going to be working on this curriculum, whereas that group of people work on this part of the curriculum. Mm-hmm. And um, so there, there are times when I'm running a class and I have three different groups going at one time, right? And like on Saturdays, you know, Dave's going to be teaching Saturday, especially when Dave's there on Saturday. You know, we could be oversubscribed for a class. And we've got to split the group up because we've got people of all different levels that are attending. And Dave can teach the highest level stuff, but he can't teach it to the ones that are three, four, six months in. So he's going to have to split it up. That's mm-hmm. that's one of the, the problem with a group class. And that's why we, you have to have the private sessions, which he's just talking about, because then you can just work on that with you. And we can we can work on with you and where, where you need to be. And, and we can distinguish between a three-month white belt, one-year white belt, and a three-year blue belt. You know, you can do that. But in a group class, it's just more difficult. That's all. So it sounds like the curriculum is the scaffolding for the academies, right? Can you walk me through the process of how you got to where the curriculum is now? You know, the iterations, was there a lot of iteration? Was there a lot of experimentation? I would assume so. Things that you threw away, things that you added in. Yeah, there always is. I mean, you're, it's always a growing process. So we have a, like a core, like a, a core curriculum that we have, and it's basically like models with Hicks and taught us, right? Mm-hmm. So we, that's, that's basically it, right? So it keeps the core, and then there's always like there's always escalations to every single move you do, right? So over the years, you know, you start getting escalations and new, new moves that come out, you know, like Barambolo and. So you just kind of have to kind of modify as you go, like any other martial would have to do, right? So so you have to kind of grow and kind of add and subtract a little bit. But I mean, the core of Hickson's uh, curriculum pretty much is like, it's pretty solid. A lot of the variations that people, and people's traditions, a lot of those variations don't matter. The core takes care of that. 
So you don't have to do too much to change that. You, you're pretty much a pretty solid, you know, I'm sure somebody will come up with something that's, you'll have to kind of modify some of them or something, but it's really, really solid. I like it. Yeah. Well, you are starting with the best jujitsu in the world. Yeah. You know, we're biased, obviously, but. You, well, you can't, you can't doubt his success. I mean, over the years, he's been fighting something like that. I mean, you get some arguments from some people like, you know, his fiction is as good as he is. But if you think about it, like that guy like was successful for many, 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 many years and, and a hundred fights. And he just like destroyed everybody. I watched a lot of those fights with people like best in the world. He would just like play with those people. And, and mm-hmm. you know, and they said, wow, it's just, is he as really as good? I said, yeah, he was. I mean, he destroyed everybody. I said, well, is it good as jujitsu today? I, go, I don't really think it's a really too much of an argument there. I mean, the guy's been good for a lot of years. His, his jujitsu worked really, really well. I mean, you can't, mm-hmm. you, you can't even doubt that. Is it comparable to today? I says, I don't even really want to, I would say, or argue. It's like, you always look at that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but as a base to start off from, I mean, the guys today, this is, well, is it good as today's jujitsu? I says, where'd you learn that today's jujitsu? Mm-hmm. Where's your base come from? I says, how did you get there? And they go, ah, uh, I says, well, see, that's what I'm talking about. I says, mm-hmm. from what Hickson has achieved over the years is what everybody is, is like using today. But, you know, we started off with Hickson's curriculum. I remember when we just, when you listed it all down, I, if I recall correctly, there are about 470 different techniques and concepts. And there's far more than that, but it's as far as what Hickson does and what, you know, Dave does. Then we had to, we had to order it in you know, like order of importance as far as, and, you know, seeing some of our other videos, a need to know versus good to know. What does everyone need to know? And then the rest of it is, it's good to know, right? And then Dave had to then prioritize, what do we teach when? Because you don't teach certain things to people because they're not ready for it. What everybody does is they do a circular method. We'll go through everything, everything, and, and you know, and I'll just go through it. And, and sometimes we're even random about it. A lot of people say they have a curriculum and they don't. A lot of people have a curriculum, but they don't teach the curriculum. They'll teach something. They'll see whatever is the most popular thing. Oh, yeah, that's in our curriculum. Let me go and teach that. Well, does it matter that everybody in the class, they're not ready for it yet? No, you're just going to teach it. Most instructors will on the way to school think, oh, what am I going to teach today? Oh, yeah, let's just do that. Or somebody asks, oh, yeah, let's just do that. But you need to teach people what they need to know in order. And that's where the methodology comes in. And that's one of the things that we have that I think is one of the more valuable things to getting people up and running quickly, because we need our people to be able to defend themselves if they get into a situation. You know, that's the most important thing. Jiu-jitsu to us is self-defense, but you have to have something to teach, right? Nobody goes to class. You don't go to school to learn any subject without a curriculum where you just walk in there and say, oh, yeah, just come to class. You'll learn it. That's bull crap. I mean, anything you learn. There's a text with a curriculum in it, and there's a way to teach that, to get that information into you. And jujitsu schools are the only ones that are not like that. You can't be a novelist, write a book without knowing the alphabet, without knowing the words, without knowing the phrases, without knowing sentences, without knowing paragraphs, without being able to do a short story. You can't just come in and just come where everybody's writing novels and you go, oh, I want to learn how to write novels. But do you know, do you know what a letter is? Oh, what's that? Right. You have to teach them the concepts in the order they need to learn it. And that's something that's very important. Right. We try to do in the group class as best we can. We have been successful in it, but it's just privates are just more successful at it. But, you know, there's just the cost benefit analysis with everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has priorities. You know, I think the last video we did had to do with private lessons and what your priorities are. Mm-hmm. You just got to figure out what your priorities are. 
we all want to have, you know, fancy iPhones and iPad Pro that we're looking through right now. We all want to drive fancy cars or nice clothes and all that, but we don't want to pay the money to pay for privates like the way he was doing, right? He was putting all his money in private. He didn't care how much it costs. He just wanted to learn this. And, you know, if you do want to learn it, to how quickly do you want to learn it? How deeply do you want to learn it? Right? It all starts with a curriculum, which you need to have. It's fascinating because I'm speaking to all these elite level competitors now, and they're, they're now emphasizing... You know, we talk about a lot of the fancy moves and et cetera, et cetera. But so many now are just saying, you know, you know what I'm finding fascinating is that I'm coming back to the fundamentals and the, you know, quote unquote basics again. And it all seems to circle back over to this recurring pattern of this. That's what Hickson has been saying for decades. Dave's been saying it. I've been saying it. People may call me, they, they call me a dumbass guy. You know what you're talking about. You know, jiu-jitsu is <laughs> different. It's moved on. You're like a dinosaur. It's like, whatever. The, the beauty of jiu-jitsu when I first came was all self-defense, right? When he grabs you by the neck, what do you do? He grabs you around the arms. What do you do? So that, mm. and what, what, what throws me off every time is we get people that come in that they could be brown belt, black belt, uh, blue belt, and they come and they, they take the classes. So, and I go, they've been taking it for years. And I, and then I says, so, so you take, you guys do self-defense too? And they go, yeah, we do self-defense. I go, you know what? I've seen a lot of stuff in my time. I says, let me check. So I, you grab them over the arms. What do you do? They go, ah, uh, well I do. Uh, and I, I, I said, okay, so you don't know that one. So I go to another move. If I grab you from the front over the arms, what do you do? It's like, well, I, uh, I would, uh, I says, okay, so you don't know that move. Grab around the neck from behind. Like, this is what would you do? It's like, well, I would, uh, and I go, so you don't know that one either. Lay down and get a headlock, which you, if you get in a fight, if both guys don't know how to fight, usually a headlock happens, you know? Mm -hmm. How do you get out of headlock? Well, I would, uh, uh, and they don't know. And so, you know, they have their version of what they, what they would do. But nobody's really formally taught them, like, what would be the best way to get out of a headlock or mm-hmm. if somebody grabs you or pulls you back or something like that. So all those, like, self-defense moves, a lot of times not been taught. And then that was, for me, that was the beauty of this of this art, not some of the fancy moves that are coming out. Don't get me wrong, fancy moves are kind of cool. I'm always interested in learning new stuff. But, you know, the core of what, what jiu-jitsu is and what, what made it great is the self-defense stuff, right? Fighting on the streets and the ability to, like, if your your uncle or your family members, like, want to wrestle you down and then, you know, rub your head in the dirt, you can deal with that, too, and without hurting your relatives and you roll around with them and easily take care of that. And if somebody wants to elevate it, you know, not your relatives or somebody else wants to elevate it to start throwing punches or start biting, you know, I can take it to that level. I can take it to whatever level you want. And it's just, how vicious do you want this to go? Because I can go much higher than you can. And that's kind of the beauty of jiu-jitsu is the fighting aspect of it. You know, the, the tournament stuff is definitely fun. I mean, it's, it's definitely cool, you know, and the fancy moves that we come up with to make things easier as you fight is, is, is definitely, like, very nice. But the street fighting and the fighting part of this art, it is really what the beauty of this thing is, you know? Just want to con- yeah, introduce you to Ken Da Silva. He runs the Austin campus at Kama Jiu-Jitsu, one of our wow. brown belts. Thanks for being on the show. <laughs> so any of you in Austin, you want to come? This is the gentleman you're going to meet. So can there be room for both then in an academy? Self-defense, orientated philosophies and training, as well as a tournament type of training? Yeah, I think so. You can. But I think the core is like, the core is like self-defense. I mean, uh, fighting and stuff like that. Uh, definitely you want to take it up to the next level and you want to kind of challenge that stuff like that. So that's kind of the way, the way I think about it. Um, I wish that there could be. However, my thinking is that just like how with people, you know, if, what their priorities are uh, with regard to their funds, their money, there's also priorities with regard to time. And our students, they all have careers, they have families, and you can't really teach 
the nuances. You can't give a deep knowledge of both sides of it. So we've chosen to focus on the self-defense side. Now, self-defense doesn't only mean the stuff like the headlocks and all that. You know, there's, you know, we offer the full concept, you know, Hicks and Gracie's, the ground grappling, everything. However, um, my thinking, and maybe, you know, Master Dave can correct me if I'm wrong, but my thinking is that if I have to make a choice on what I'm going to teach somebody, do I teach them to be a gold medalist or do I teach them to be safe in an altercation? I would rather my student come out on top in an altercation and lose in a tournament than win in a tournament and get their ass kicked. Kama Jiu-Jitsu, we've shown it's successful in tournaments. It's, you know, it's just the basics, you know, it's basic, you know, choke and joint locks and, you know, transitions. It's, it's no different. And a lot of the game today, it's all guard based now. They all want to jump guard. They want to baseball slide. And that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. People, two people baseball sliding and they want to play guard. Nobody wants mm-hmm. to pass a guard. But once you have an opponent who climbs that, you have so many opponent that climbs that ladder, as we call it, the Kama Jiu-Jitsu ladder. When they climb that ladder... They climb, they submit, they climb, they submit. So they, they get to the point where they win. It's all the same. It's jujitsu. But at the end of the day, like he said, if they want to elevate it, if somebody, you know, you're training with somebody who you don't know and they get frustrated because you're just climbing all over them and they start throwing a punch at you, you'll be able to deal with it. If they try to slam you, you'll be able to deal with it. Most people I contend who do sports jujitsu or train at a, at a sport academy, they'll get slammed every time. Why? Because you pick them up, you can just throw them right down. We see it happen at tournaments all the time. But they'll say, oh, well, well, you know, I know that's only a tournament, so I'm not going to do that. Well, no, if you train for it and you allow yourself to get picked up in training, you will get slammed. That's just my contention. Yeah, what I liked is that when I did the challenge match, it's like, it was like, it wasn't too much of a, it's, it's kind of unnerving doing doing fights, like uh, no rules and, and no gloves and, do you know, the guy can do whatever you want and you, and you don't know anything about the other guy fighting mm-hmm. like that. It's, yeah. it's really like... It's a little bit of a pucker, you know, it's like, I, you know, I'm kind of worried about what's going to happen here. So, but if you've never experienced that, but it's because of the training, because of the way, you know, way, way Hickson was training us, you know, I was kind of tentative because I, you know, I was only a blue belt at the time, but mm-hmm. based on my previous training and then the stuff they, the, the training, the tradition that they gave me, it was like, it honed me out. And then, so I didn't, wasn't too worried about it. I, I was pretty confident that anybody I fought, I had a really good chance to win. I mean, more than a good chance. So if you go to a fight, you would not feel comfortable getting in that fight unless you felt more than confident that you were going to win, right? If you were kind of 50, you're kind of nervous and you're kind of like, you know, if you had a chance to back out of it, unless you're really super aggressive, you might back out of that thing because, you know, 50-50 is not good odds, right? 80% chance I win, 20% chance I lose. Okay, so now I'm more, I'm more confident that I can go into it. So me going to that fight, I'm, I'm like 90% chance I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to win. 10% chance, you know, catches me with a punch, something weird happens or something like that, I could lose. And there's always that 10% you can lose. But I was 90% confident I could win. So, of course, you know, jiu-jitsu is the only thing that I've ever seen that actually can take you up to that level to where that level of confidence and stuff like that. We kind of want to keep that alive and make sure that everybody, like, can enjoy that as well, you know. So... Definitely, you know, so you talk about, you know, tournament. I, I think about tournament is like stressing, stressing all these fighting mm. positions. Right? You stress it out. Yeah, you take it to the next level. So it's kind of like what we do inside the gym. We, we learn the moves and then you kind of stress it out. Can the guy do anything to you now that you've learned this move? This is, and then you start finding out that, yes, the guy can, you know, the move, although you know the move, the guy can still do stuff to you. He can change his weight. The guy's bigger, the guy's heavier, the guy's faster. He changes his weight in a way that is a little different than what you learned inside the gym. So it, there's like escalations. Well, if he does that, I do this. If he does this, I do that. 
So, I mean, there's always a growth. That's why there's always learning, you know, there's always different people that come up with different things, but that's the competitive side, the, the tournament side of what I think it is. You know, you're trying to stress out all your fighting, trying to make sure that you can fight really well with whatever person you want, whatever person that comes around. That's is tournament, like the uh, submission tournaments. I like submission more, right? So it, it gets more down to that. They're, they're trying to submit you more. So that's what I think about this tournament more, not just strictly tournament, you know? Hypothetically, you guys are the kings of the universe. What does your ideal tournament look like? I like the old uh, the old rules that we had before. Basic, you you pass the guard, you mount, you get points for that, and then you tap the person. So those those old rules, I think, are better. You know? If you get like points for almost tapping the guy, I don't really believe in that. You know, Ryan, your tournament would be all advantages, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really like the advantages thing. It's just, so I like the old rules. Keep on doing tournaments. It kind of does iterations. But gyms who just teach tournaments to win tournaments, for me, I don't think it does a really good service for the students, right? If they don't learn the self-defense part of it, I think you lose exactly what jiu-jitsu really is. To me, it's almost like you're learning a different art. Really, I think jiu-jitsu as a core was the self-defense stuff. Mm -hmm. Fighting on the streets, fighting with no rules, that's the cool stuff. Fighting in a tournament, that's cool. You know, I get to advance my fighting ability by fighting mm -hmm. different people and stuff like that. And a tournament aspect of like, you know, stressing and stuff like that. I like that. But really, the jujitsu is a self-defense stuff. It's fighting in the streets and no rules, no gloves. No time, right? No time limit. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the core of jujitsu. And if you go away from that, I think you're creating a new art. Sadly, um, there's only one of his challenge matches on the web that the Great Academy put up. So for those of you who haven't seen it, it's called Gracie Challenge 5. There were many of them. In fact, Dave, weren't you the first non-black belt that they had? Or, doing or as I know, in the United, United States. Yeah, because yeah. They, were, they were doing the challenge matches, but it was only boys and, you know, that stuff. And then I was... As far as I know, I was the first one to, it says Gracie Challenge 5, but actually it was the first one that's because my video was all grainy and stuff like that. It was so, but, <laughs> yeah. so it was kind of unnerving, you know, it was kind of, it was, it was kind of cool. It was kind of, it's like a very honor to have them ask me to, to do that fight. But they had such confidence in me that I could do that, you know, because definitely back then I go, I wasn't really sure, but I guess they knew me a little better than I did. He was a blue belt in that video, in that fight. Jeez, wow. Yeah. That I mean, must and, you know, terrifying. I've, I've seen challenge matches with black belts, and then you see Dave. And what I'll do is I'll, you know, for some time, some of my students, what I'll do is I'll play these other challenge matches that I've seen that were black belts, known black belts, and I'll play the one with Dave, and I'll say, which one is not the black belt? Hmm. And it's never Dave. And Dave's technique in that particular match that you saw hmm. was very textbook. It was very clean. He climbed that ladder, got up to worst position, choked you know, that's the way we teach our, our students as well. My hope is that, that I can have technique as clean as Dave and that our students can have it as clean as Dave as well, because, you know, that's that's the way it needs to be. And Hickson did a great job in teaching Dave. And, you know, Dave was a great student. And trying to find that type of situation is very hard. I mean, that's like a unicorn. But, you know, we're still going to keep looking for it. Was going back to the tournaments, you know, my thinking is the thinner the rule book, the better, right? And you're talking about the old tournaments, really the only rules that were back in those tournaments were you just can't hit the guy. It's not Valetudo, right? Mm -hmm. the tournament. You know, you wear a gi and you do the tournament. They did have a couple of points. They had, I think they had points for, you know, pass the guard, mount, back. Same as it's they you pass the guard, you know. I don't think there were any yeah. points for takedown. If you sweep, you could if you switch up the guy through the guys, two points. Yeah. If you if you pass the guard, three points, if you mount four. It's kind of the same as we have the tournaments today, but no advantage points, right? One, they allowed slam.
sandals. You could do footlocks. You know, there weren't any, you know, you can only do it at black, but you could do neck cranks. So then you guys were still cool with points then in your ideal tournaments. You know, points were given if there were no submissions. As far as I know, nobody wanted to win by points. You know, whereas people, they're okay winning by points. I remember there was one match that um, one of our white belts was in and um, the guy he was up against, his coach was telling, you know, his guy, his guy was like a wrestler, he slick takedowns. And our guy mm-hmm. got taken down like two times. And then um, after he got taken down a second time, then he goes, oh, you know, if the, if the guy wants to keep getting up, let him get up, take him down again. Keep scoring, scoring the points on him. I'm like, yeah, okay. And then when uh, the guy had our guy down, he's going, oh, yeah, just go ahead and mount him because, you know, you, you can't get busted for stalling and mount. In the meantime, our student got out and you know, submitting him. I don't know what he got him with. And we tell our guys, you know, if you win by points, then okay. But that's not the optimal thing. You know, you want to win by submission. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. goal. That's yeah. The, you want to put a goal on winning, it's submit the guy. If you win by points, it's okay. So not so mm-hmm. sexy, but the sexy part is like winning by submission, right? Because if you win by points, that just means time time ran out. The guy didn't mm-hmm. submit to you. Mm-hmm. Time ran out, right? But, you know, and it's kind of, you know, I, I hate to think that it's unreasonable to expect that, but, you know, I, I just tell our students, like, if you're going to compete, you know, compete to submit. Don't, mm-hmm. don't compete. Win by points or advantage. If the points win gets you to the next level, to the next bracket, so you can compete for the final, then great. You know, then the points win is good. <laughs> there was one student of ours, uh, he won like 15 to nothing or something. And uh, <laughs> and I was yelling at him last 30 seconds, you know, go for the submission. He didn't know he was winning by that. And then I remember after the match, he was just standing there like, oh, like he had lost the match. And his Sorry, arm, I didn't submit. <laughs> his arm <laughs> went up. Let's talk about your YouTube channel. It's amazing. You guys have, you have a gazillion videos on there. So the YouTube channel, Kama Jiu-Jitsu, we We've got really two sides to our doing videos. So we've got Kama Jiu-Jitsu Online, where Dave does all the technical videos. We've got probably 300 on there. Um, we've got our, our entire curriculum on there. And what's not on there is being put in. We've got a feature called Class Notes, where it's stuff that doesn't necessarily fit into the curriculum, but it's stuff that we do in class. In fact, I just videotaped one of our sequences just this last Tuesday, and uh, our Black Belt Zach was running it. And that's going to be in there as well. So that's all stuff if you want to learn Jiu-Jitsu. However, when it comes to how do you think, how do you find a school, you know, a little bit of history. That's where our YouTube channel comes in. And I get a lot of, a lot of messages, private messages from people who say, you know, they, they either got into jujitsu or they left and came back to jujitsu because they watched a common jujitsu YouTube video. And I want to thank everybody and you included for watching those videos, because, you know, this is stuff that, you know, all my students would ask these questions. And I thought, you know what, I have to keep answering these questions over and over and over. So the students have been here for a while. They hear the same story 40 times. Let me put it on video. And it turns out it's, touch people all over the world. And I get messages from people all over the world saying, hey, you know, I appreciate your video. You know, I get even people telling me, I, I think you're wrong, but you know, that's fine too. It's like, you know, it, it's just a thing where everybody's got a little different version of the history. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I was able to, to surprise you and bring Dave on, I'm glad that <laughs> yeah. you're able to do that. I was genuinely surprised, everyone. That's what I've already told you. I said, yeah, if you make it a little bit earlier, I'm going to surprise you. So I don't even know how we scheduled it to this time, but it, it happened that way. And I, and I thought to myself, wait, Dave's going to be here. So I'll just have the, the juniors we'll warm everybody up and we'll keep Dave out here. And I got him out of bed, you know, about an hour earlier than we normally would, you know, got him Amazing. out of bed at like 4.30 in the morning. Come on, let's go grab our coffee, get ready because you got to do this. But a lot of people don't have a lot of exposure to Dave, unfortunately. Right. He's not as uh, prolific on the videos. You know, I give him assignments and, you know, listen. Right. He's my boss. Well, you you have the gift of gab, I have to admit. I love watching your videos from the early days of you, like sitting in front of a cafe with a bunch of noise behind you with no microphone except the phone to now where you're doing these wireless Shure microphones.
microphone. I love the walks, by the way, around the neighborhood with the big, beautiful Texas lawn. Those are fantastic. Texas is awesome. I love Texas. So, you know, <laughs> more of you guys can come. We'd love to have you here in Texas. <laughs> also, can you tell us about the mobile app? Yeah, the mobile app, we've got them uh, for both Android and the Apple one should be done, but um, the Apple is supposed to be You're done. still waiting on that. Okay. <laughs> That should be done within the next few days. Apple's going through their final check and proof. So by the time we release this, the Kama Jiu-Jitsu will have a mobile app. Can you tell us what does the mobile app provide? The mobile app is basically everything that we have at Kama Jiu-Jitsu Online, but it's now accessible on a mobile app. You know, if you can visit us there, it'd be awesome. We eventually have our have a, have it where we can sell merchandise on it as well. But right now, it's just going to have all our lessons. Uh, there are different levels of membership you can have. You can start off with a free membership. Well, thanks a lot. I got to go to class. Thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you. Hey, guys. Thank you for joining us here today. And please join us on YouTube and like and subscribe. And we'll see you in a bit. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Take care. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.